You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. We are just so excited to be here today, and I am incredibly passionate about the topic we're going to be talking about um, in the book of Ephesians, um, particularly this whole idea of you are a masterpiece. You know, when I think about a masterpiece, um, you know, I think about standing um, as a kid. My parents saved money for me. Anybody ever go on this? Well, you can't do this anymore, but we would go on those field trips where you could save a lot of money and go to Europe and you'd see like 20 million things in seven days. I remember standing in front of David and thinking, this is a masterpiece. Or you get to the Mona Lisa and you're like, wow, she's smaller than I thought I would be, that she would be, but she's a masterpiece. Or staring up at the Sistine Chapel, masterpiece. And yet we see here in Ephesians that Paul is using this word to describe us as God's children, that you are a masterpiece, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now it's interesting because before this scripture, Paul's making it quite clear that it's by grace and grace alone that we are saved, not by works. Nobody can take credit for it, that it's a free gift of God, lest no man should boast. But yet in the next line, he's saying that we are God's masterpiece and he created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So it's interesting because we are saved to something. We are saved to be reconciled with the Father. We are saved to one day enjoy eternity in heaven together as God's people with him. But here we are learning that we are also saved for something. We are saved for something. We are saved for a unique assignment that God has placed on each of our lives as human beings. Your story, your journey, your gifting, the pain you've been through, the things you've walked through. When God said he made you anew in Christ Jesus so that all of us together could reflect his glory. So when I stare at David or I stare at the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, I am staring at the thing that was 100% in the mind of the creator. 100% a reflection of the design of the artist. 100% a reflection of the story that the artist, the creator was trying to tell. Now, I don't know about your kids, but my kids fought growing up. Anybody? Y'all, I'm gonna come to parenting classes, okay? My children would have at it. In fact, my kids are two years and nine months apart. And my son being the baby, his first really strong statement was, Rachel, you are not the goss of me. <laughs> because he couldn't say boss. <laughs> you are not, so you can sense the tension that was happening in my home. So one day when they were young, I think Tyler was four and she was six, he, they were having this very heated argument over who was the oldest. My son, not willing to be upped, because you are not the goss of me, Rachel. They're fighting it out. And Rachel's like, Tyler, I am clearly older than you. He's like, no, you are not. She's like, yes, I am. I'm watching this drama play out in front of me and I'm letting it go and he will not be had. He's like, little brother, any little brothers in the house, you are standing up to your big sister, right? And you are not the goss of me. And, and he's like, I am older than you. And she's like, Tyler, no, you're not. And his beautiful dyslexic mind looked at her and said, 
yes, I am, I was in God's mind. Say la that. <laughs> Queen City, you were in God's mind. You were in God's mind. He dropped you on planet earth in the greater Cincinnati area, 2022, inside of this room for a reason. That we would display his glory to a world that so desperately needs to see the light of Jesus. Isaiah 64, eight says, yet you Lord are our father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. I'm the clay, you're the potter. I am the work of your hand. Now, can I just be incredibly transparent? I wanna live a life that looks like a masterpiece. I want to do the work that God has assigned me to do. And I, but I think oftentimes, if we're honest, if I'm honest, a lot of times I look at my God and I wanna be the potter and I want him to be the clay. We have a tendency sometimes, even as believers, to wanna shape God into what we need him to be, to fit my narrative or what I think my life should look like, instead of making a daily decision to yield myself to the potter, to say, Lord, I am the clay, so that my life can actively reflect and I can go on to do the very thing he had me to do. You see, being a life that is a masterpiece requires more than a one-time decision. It requires a daily decision of some things that we have to, this is, I'm just real talk today. We've got some things we've got to choose. And so Father, I thank you right now for these precious people, God, and I thank you for the gift of your word. And so Lord God, I ask that my words would be salt and light. They would be pleasing to you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, do a work inside of our hearts as we open your word today in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna talk to you today about a man in scripture that I believe lived a life that was a masterpiece. And hashtag, because I'm a children's pastor, I also like to talk about King Josiah because nobody does. You see, King Josiah was a king in Judah, and the Bible says he became king at the age of eight. So children's pastors, take note. We have a child king, and I love his story, and I want to share with his story with you today because I believe it teaches us some things about how to live a life that makes sure that we're on assignment, that we are fully yielded to the potter, that I am choosing to be the clay so that my life can be a masterpiece that reflects his story. So we're gonna spend a lot of times in 2 Kings 22. And beginning in verse one, Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and he followed completely in the ways of his father, David, not turning aside to the right or the left. And in the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary Shaphan, son of Azaliah, come on, the son of Meshulam, good names, to the temple of the Lord. And he said, go up to Hilkiah the priest and have him get ready the money that has been collected and have it brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people and have them entrust it to the men appointed to supervise the work of the temple. 
Now, the interesting thing about Josiah's life, and I think the first question that we are gonna have to answer again and again and again, is see, Josiah is a king who had a very, very ungodly father and an even worse grandfather. And yet we see at a young age, he is king and he is, has a heart to rebuild the temple of the Lord. Now God gives us some clues in the scriptures. You see, his mother's name means God's darling. And his grandmother's name means honored of Jehovah. And so we see that these two godly women have this young king and they bring him into the temple, into the house of the Lord, and they surround him with some advisors. And everything comes into place. Because I'm here today to tell you the question that you're gonna have to wrestle with to live the life that God is calling you to live. And it will come not just one time, but many times. And there will be opposition to this. You will have to answer, where do I belong? Where do I belong? And I am here today to tell you that God never meant for you to do life alone, that he always designed us to be in family and in community. If the last 24 months have taught us anything, this is what I know that I know that I know, that I need you, my brother and sister in Christ, more than I ever have, that I have something to give you and you have something to give me. And together, we have something to proclaim to the world but there are gonna be things that come against your sense of belonging. And I'm here today to tell you that there was a young king who had some, a good mom and a good grandmother who surrounded him with the right people and he found himself planted in the house of the Lord, building God's house. And the thing, the gold that God has put inside of you, it will only be mined it will only come out amongst the people of God in the place of God. For as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Can I go kids pastor for you a second? So we've been writing these scripture memory songs for our kids. Right now, this is it. Two people are better off than one so they can help each other succeed. Ecclesiastes 4.9. Ecclesiastes 4.9. Ecclesiastes 4.9, Ecclesiastes 4.9. You will remember it. Two people are better off than one so they can help each other succeed. You belong in the house of the Lord. You are God's child. No offense, no past hurt, no shame, no condemnation. No lie of the enemy should keep you from coming into the house and to the family of God. You belong here. And so today, step one, is it time to be planted? Is it time to be planted? I love what the Psalm says, Psalm 92, verse 12. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and go strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. Get that word. They were transplanted. They didn't start there, they were brought in. They weren't born there, they came in. 
And so when we have these banners on a wall and on a ceiling and they say, welcome home, it is the cry of our heart. When the enemy comes with the question, where do I belong? We will unashamedly say as God's people, I belong in God's family and I am called to build his house. I am called to build his house. In verse eight, so they're in this process of restoring the temple. And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. And then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and he reported, hey, your officials have paid out the money that was due in the temple of the Lord. They've entrusted it. They're getting all the building right. And then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, y'all get this, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes and he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed these words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. You know, the second question that you will be faced with time and time again to live a life that is a masterpiece, what is the truth? It's interesting that here, this young king who clearly has a heart for God, who's clearly building his house, has discovered the book of the law. Most scholars believe it's perhaps was the book of Deuteronomy. I don't know, we'll get there one day and I'll ask in heaven. But either way, he asked, go and inquire is this God? Is this the word of the Lord? And how like that is what we face as believers today? Is this the truth? What is the truth? Not too unlike today. You see, Josiah lived in a time that was complete rebellion to God. He would have grown up as a child seeing idolatry on a massive scale, child sacrifice. I mean, the world gone mad. And he's asking, what is the truth? Is this the truth? You know, in 1998, I was serving in a church in Mississippi and I had the great privilege to hear one of the great apologists of our time speak. And so I go to this youth pastor's convention and I'm listening and he stood on a stage and he said in 1998 that the coming deception in America will be that tolerance is the highest virtue in the land. Now, in and of itself, tolerance is a good word. Tolerance in all previous generations meant that all life is equal that I value you and you value me, we could disagree. At some point, a war would end and people would take their sword and go home, right? Because we tolerate one another, even if we don't agree. But yet today in the generation we live in and how prophetic and right he was, that many of you, especially those of you under 30, you have grown up with this definition of tolerance. Tolerance is not all people are equal. Tolerance is all ideas are equal. And when all ideas are equal, there is no truth. And I am here to tell you that there are some really bad ideas out there and they are not true. And so as believers, we have to decide, I am hanging my hat on the fact that the Bible is the truth. It is the absolute word of God. It is without fault or error. And so my friends, 
if I want my life to be a masterpiece, if I wanna step into the assignment that God has for me, I read the Bible so I can know him. But hear me, I read the Bible so the Bible can read me. I search the Bible so the Bible can search the deep things inside of me. I wrestle with the word even when it's hard so the Holy Spirit can do the deep wrestling within me. We have to decide this word, this book, it is the truth. It is the truth. And for my life to reflect his glory, for me to be on mission for a mission, I have to ground myself in the truth of his word. So every morning when I, you know, I do read on the phone, any, any phone readers here? A paper phone, I love technology because I like looking at different versions, shout out you version, but I'll, I'll be reading the word in the morning and sometimes I pray a very simple prayer, but I teach children to pray. Good morning, Lord. This is your day. I am your child. God, will you show me your ways? Amen. I open your word, God, not my way, your way. Your way, Lord. Third John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So when the question comes, what is the truth? We will boldly proclaim as God's children, his word is the truth and I am called to walk in it. The tension that we face though sometimes as believers and wanting our lives to be a masterpiece, wanting to step into the assignment that God has called each of us to, the next question we will face time and time again, I face this one on a daily basis, how's my heart? How's my heart? What's going on inside of that heart of mine? And King Josiah faced the same thing in verse 18. You see, he had sent, he had sent his advisors to go to Huldah the prophetess to ask, is this the word of the Lord? Like, is this the truth? And she sends back this reply. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and you wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I will bring on this place. So she took her answer back to the king. Tender and humble before my God. One translation says he wept in repentance. His story in Chronicles said that because your heart was broken and you submitted yourself before God. Interesting, submission is a word we don't like. Right? I have found a definition years ago of submission that I really love. Submission is giving up my right to always be right. And my, oh my, how I like to be right. How I like to be right. And I like to be right so much sometimes that I can convince myself that my right is the right and it's not the right, it's quite wrong. And I believe what God is looking for for his people is that we would humble ourselves and say, you know what, God, that thing I've been carrying, that thing I've been doing, that thing I hide, I'm wrong. 
you were right. Only Jesus, you can make me right. And I humble myself before you and I come for you asking for your grace and mercy to make me right again. A humble heart, a humble, open, soft heart. You know, when my kids were little, um, we had this little thing and try this. We would say, one of them would hit the other. It seems like we had a high conflict household, but just real talk. One of them would hit the other and, and this is what children will do. Sorry. Sorry. It's like spilt milk, sorry. And we would make one child look at the other child, try this with, with people, and say, I want you to look your brother in the eye and say, will you forgive me? And they couldn't do it. Why? Because the heart wasn't soft. And the conflict wasn't over until we looked each other in the eye and said, will you forgive me? My husband and I have an agreement. Sorry is a very appropriate word. It's a great word. But when we've hurt one another, when we've wronged the other, you see, it's not, will you forgive me? Because when, when you forgive me, I've humbled myself and I've asked for the grace that I so desperately need to cover this situation. So when checking our hearts so our lives can reflect his glory, Proverbs 4, 2023 through 23. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life to those who find them and healing to the whole body. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. How's my heart? I will keep an open, soft, and humble heart before my God. That's what he's asking of us so that our lives can reflect the masterpiece that he has created us to be. So then in Josiah's life, my notes just say, Josiah kicks tail. Josiah, for the next several passages of scripture, he has now called all of God's people back together. And it says in verse three of 23, the king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord, to keep his commandments, statutes and decrees with all of his heart, all of his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. So Josiah has called everyone back to the Lord. And he has made a commitment to God to follow him with his whole heart. And then he goes about the land, tearing down the high things. We sung about them this morning, the strongholds, the things in this world that are not right. And so I wonder today what God is wanting of his church. I wonder what today God is asking of his people that there are some strongholds, there are some high things, there are some idols that need to come down. Racism comes down in Jesus' name. Envy comes down in Jesus' name. Lust comes down in Jesus' name. Abuse broken in Jesus' name. And we see that Josiah goes throughout the land and he is righting the wrongs, which is what God is asking us to do as his people the interesting thing though, is that sometimes the final question stumps us all. And it's simply this, does my life matter? 
You see, in living the everyday, normal, going around in life, we have a generation who, I I can hear it in my own thoughts. Okay, Beth, there's this awesome king who made everything right in his generation, who sought God with his whole heart, but I'm just me. I'm just me. What am I called to do? Does my life matter? in this building of the kingdom? What's my part to play? And in a generation right now that is so struggling with this identity that everybody's quitting their jobs, come on y'all, trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my life. And then the rest of us are on social media, come on, trying to be famous. (laughs) Jobless and famous, you know what I mean? Like we're all just trying to figure it out. What matters? Does my life matter? And I'm here today to say, as Ephesians 2.10 so reminds us, your life matters. You were dropped right here, right now, for a reason. And in a generation that is consumed with being famous and known for something, God is looking at his children, asking us to be faithful. You see, I know this because I know a man who experienced so much brokenness and so much pain. And maybe that's you here today. Multiple generations on his family, both sides divorced. Multiple generations on his family, both sides struggle with addiction. Multiple generations on his family, both sides struggle with a father who abandoned multiple generations, both sides of his family experienced the trauma of abuse. But that man chose to surrender his life fully and completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That man chose to plant himself in the community of the saints in the house and the family of God. That man chose to believe that the Bible is absolutely true. And that man chose to say that my very simple, normal life matters because my children don't know divorce. Rachel and Tyler Cunningham don't know abuse. Rachel and Tyler Cunningham do not know addiction. Rachel and Tyler Cunningham do not know an absent father because my husband made a decision to consecrate his life to the Lord. Listen to me, if his story tells you anything, I want you to hear this, your life matters. Maybe it is on your watch that God is asking a bloodline and a generation to change. Maybe it is on your watch that God is asking you to go into the hospital where you work as a nurse and share Jesus. Maybe it is on your watch that God is asking you to help a generation rise up who do not know the truth, to know him with their whole heart. Your life matters. It matters. The everyday normal things where we say, God, use me. Let my life, my journey, my pain, my brokenness, the redeemed version of who you made me to be, let it be a let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your life matters. So Josiah finds himself at a hillside 
and he's torn down all the high things. He's down to one remaining. And it says, the king said, what is this tombstone I see? The people of the city said, it marks the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and pronounced against the altar of Bethel the very things you have done to it. Now, what's really interesting about Josiah's life and why I wanted to share him with you today is in 1 Kings, 360 years before Josiah was ever born, a prophet from Samaria stood at that pagan altar and proclaimed that a son named Josiah would be born and would cry out against it and would tear that high thing down. 360 years before he was ever born. And I would propose to you today that God in his sovereignty and in his goodness has done the same thing for you. That he has dropped you in this moment because he has an assignment for you to do. It is uniquely yours, but you have to yield yourself to the potter on a daily basis to say, I am yours, Lord. Make my life look like what you want it to look like. So I close with this thought that I am living on purpose for a purpose. I am living on purpose for a purpose. Verse 25 says, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. So for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the work he planned for us a long time ago. So my prayer for you, Queen City people, my prayer for this generation, my prayer for the church in this hour is that we would boldly proclaim that I am a child of God and I belong to his family. I am rooted in his word and I am walking in the truth. My heart is open, soft, and humble before my God. I am living on purpose for a purpose. My life poured out is worship to my Savior and is an invitation to his lost children to find their way home. Your life is an invitation. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, God, I thank you so much for the work you're doing by your spirit in this moment. And God, I thank you for every believer here, God, who has been challenged today by your word to know that their life is on purpose for a purpose. But maybe you're in this room today and as you've heard God's word, the spirit is calling you to recognize that you need to go back to where we started, which is it is by grace that we are saved. It is not of works, lest no man should boast. And that is the invitation today, that if you are in this room today and you would say to me, Beth, I am not right with God, that I need to come home to my father. I need to come home. I need to be reconciled to the Lord. If that's you today, 
I would love the opportunity just to come into agreement and to pray with you. We're not gonna ask you to come forward. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up, but I would ask you by faith to indicate that you are ready to be reconciled to the Lord. You can't live out the assignment he has for you without coming back to reconciliation with him through Jesus Christ. So if that is you today, I would love for you to indicate that just by raising your hand. So on the count of three, if you are here today and you would say, Beth, I need to come back to the Lord. I need to be saved. I need to be reconciled to God. If that's you on the count of three, I'd like for you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. One, two, three. I see you, I see you. Thank you, Jesus. And so let's just pray a simple prayer. You can pray this in your heart. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me for living my life without you. Come live inside of me. Change me. Make me brand new. I surrender my whole life to you. Jesus, today I receive your grace and I trust in you for my salvation. Today, Lord, I choose to follow you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Queen City, can you please celebrate those who just made a decision to follow Jesus? Thank you, Lord. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.